0: Protecting my child from hearing expletives on television is idiotic. He's going (laughs) to hear them. They're
1: going to hear them. They hear them everywhere because it's everywhere. The, the, the yeah. The only thing you can teach him is when it's appropriate to use a certain word exactly. and when it
0: isn't. Proper usage is what I'm trying to work on with him. And, you know, like, I'm not trying to, like, cover his ears when there's cursing in movies anymore.
1: Well, are we talking about the older one or the younger one? <laughs> the older one. Okay.
0: Max gets, uh, as a seven-year-old, is still in my protective the pro- custody. <laughs> the problem
1: is when there's when there's an older one and a younger one, the yeah. younger one just picks it up from the older one. Uh, yeah, That's why Ben, when we were walking to the car the other day and he forgot his mask, he just looks down at the ground and he goes, motherfucker the like, kid's 10 years old <laughs> he goes back in to get his mask i'm like what am yeah, i gonna do about that you know? I, it's sort of a
0: and then the sex talk too that's starting to be they're curious about that now so it's i've got myself in a position where he's like comfortable asking mm. me questions which is what i wanted you that's know, good i think so if there's a joke on a movie or something yeah. a reference he doesn't get he'll look at me and goes what does that mean I think my kids are eunuchs. They don't, uh, they don't talk about sex very much. Well, no, it's certainly not a eunuch.
1: He's full-blooded. I'm going to nail that fucking mic stand to the ground. This one? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> it's not doing right. No,
0: it's right. not doing right. I hate right. boom mics. I mean, I love them and I hate them. It's well, what else would you use? You'd have to religion. sit at the table. I want one, one of those lapel mics like oh, uh, those things Dan garbage. Rather used yeah. to have. Um, and we're back. And we're back. Welcome to Recovery in the Middle Ages, the podcast about two middle-aged suburban dads in their pursuit of life, love, and recovery. I'm Nat. And I'm Mike. And do we have a show for them? Boy, do we have a show for you guys today. Today on RMA, we celebrate graduation from college after a long, tumultuous road. A fine example of persistence and hard work. And we discuss the book and program Recovery Dharma on a very special Bachelorette edition of RMA.
1: Oh, you just crack yourself up.
0: I well I'm laughing because I didn't write Bachelorette. I actually typed Baccalaureate. And it must have <laughs> autocorrected, <laughs> And so now I'm live
1: reading it. Siri is great. And uh, <laughs> fucking Siri, man. So guys, you should um, visit us at <laughs> middleagesrecovery.com, which is soon to be the new improved middleagesrecovery.com. That website is a work in progress. It's and pretty improved. Sometimes it's more progressive than others. We're uh, working on we're it. We're working on it.
0: Because we're,
1: we're, we have a lot going on. We're
0: very excited. Yeah. You know? More of you are listening to us talk, which is always a good thing. Yeah, uh, and welcome to all the
1: new listeners. I just want to yeah you
0: know where'd you come from what is this
1: <laughs> why are you I mean I'm good why are you here but you know congratulations for yeah. finding
0: the best spot yeah we're very we're there. very excited you know and um as you know you can find us at middle Podbean, pod bean apple Podcasts, facebook instagram spotify amazon youtube and twitter amazon yes amazon audible and if you go to amazon though and search for our podcast we're available no through shit audible
1: wow yep that's great Uh, join the discussion on our exclusive and private facebook group if you need to talk don't hesitate to reach out to us on social media what about great reviews they will be right on the show (laughs) open your apple podcast app search for our show click the drunk monk scroll down to where it says reviews and write a review give us five stars and tell us how much you love us (laughs) new merch is available
0: uh go to our awesome new website that's under construction, and click the shopping cart. It's that easy. Of course, easy. The, the part where we take your money is working fine. Yes. So, <laughs> it's that easy to support your favorite show. You just uh, click on, we only have one shirt currently. We're, that's it. We're, Even we're, though
1: it's listed five times on the website.
0: Well, that's part of, you know, it's, it's a design <laughs> element. If you only have one, it doesn't look right. So, that's what Udpal told me. Right. It's like, you can't... Have just won the way right. to win. you have to have five identical shirts to click on. Well, <laughs> let's hope they all sell. <laughs> and um, which reminds me, uh, I wanted to say, because this is merch related, I reached out to uh, the incomparable Jeff D who does our merch, and uh, and I was like, oh, I got this exciting idea. We got to do a new shirt, and I have this design idea. And he, he writes me back, you know, like, oh, yeah, that's great. I'll work on that. He's like, I just got married. Hmm. and uh, Good. Congratulations, and, yeah, Jeff. Congratulations. I mean, you are taking a huge step. And Take a
1: couple days for the honeymoon and then get back to us on the show. That's shirts. right. We
0: need you back to work immediately. <laughs> um, you'll still get your usual pay, you know, each, <laughs> right? Your checks will not be uh, interrupted during your honeymoon. <laughs> so, uh, congratulations, Jeff, and I'm very excited to uh, to push this thing to the next level here. And um, congratulations to you, and good luck, and your wife,
1: probably. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations to her as well, and congratulations um, to your wife. So, if you guys want to share your stories with us, uh, we have a way for you to do that also on our website. Uh, just go down to the. Uh, com and there's a your story form fill it out and we will re- read your review. We will? On the air. Did we haven't have we gotten any recently? Oh yeah, we did. Did we? Oh sure, we get lots of those. I mean, we read the most recent one last week, didn't we? Or are you punching up another one? Yeah, so here's the latest one we got. So just we do this on the fly. Yeah,
0: this just came in. Did it? Yeah, it says it's from Gordon. Huh? Uh Tell us your story. Hello, the ultimate smashing machine, grinding coffee beans, <laughs> nuts and spices in seconds, 50% off for the next 24 hours only, <laughs> and free worldwide shipping for a limited time order here. Um, thank thank you, you, Gordon. Thank we you. We appreciate that. So, so that uh, was one of our fans. Yeah. Um, they're very excited about some product he's pushing. Mm. Oh, here's here's one. I'll read one more. This is another story. His name, Pasquale, came through on April 27th. Okay. It says, Hi. Our medical-grade toenail clippers is the safest and <laughs> specially recommended wow. for those with troubles with winding nails. What is winding? Heart nails, two nails, nail cracks, deep nails, thickened nails, et cetera. Who Get knew yours. that was a problem? Thank you, Pasquale. You know what?
1: Somewhere out there, there's a need that can be filled by anybody. <laughs> what did Pasquale do? Wake up one morning and go, you know what the world needs? It needs a winding toenail clipper. Yeah. I mean, Let me, clear. let's make one of those and then spam the fucking internet.
0: I think the best part about the, your story form is that we're
1: getting all these new product ideas. <laughs> we, these yeah, are things we could brand, branded <laughs> RMA winding <laughs> toenail clippers.
0: So that's, tell Although, us you your know, story.
1: Addicts don't have the best of hygiene, so maybe yeah. that is not a bad idea.
0: Well, getting them to care about their winding toenails. Yeah. Wait, is the wind, is the clipper winding or is, is the toenail winding? Uh, you'll have to <laughs> click on the link to find out. Okay. <laughs> so that is, tell us your story for now. Um, right. Hopefully, we'll have something of more substance to read. Uh, so uh, this weekend, uh, beside my graduation, which we can get to in a minute, we will. We will. Um, we had Mother's Day. We did. Um, and we always we always do a do a review of these holidays <laughs> because it's one of those things that when when I got sober and Mike got sober, one of the big. Uh, problems we thought was, oh no, how am I going to get through these holidays without drinking or around other people that are drinking? Uh, how can we still have fun?
1: So, I mean, what did you do that, that wasn't getting Mother's wasted? Day was always so much fun. Um, I, well, we, did a, we had a great Mother's Day this year. Uh, my wife, to her credit, went out and found something that she wanted to do that was, that was really cool, um, axe throwing. Have you heard of this this new trend that's sweeping the nation?
0: I only heard about it because you you mentioned it for a Cub Scout thing, maybe. Or oh yeah, or we, we were talking that. about that.
1: And I'm like, why are you talking? He goes, yeah. So uh, there are these places that you can go to, and on Long Island, of course, it's in an industrial park, and you go in and you take an elevator up to the second floor, and then there's this nice reception desk with uh, um, you know people that'll that give you your axe. What do they call them? Your oh god, I should have wrote that down. The person that does all things. Axe oh, related what, with What's you.
0: The, a, the word for an axe thrower? Axomaniac? Uh,
1: no, this is like the axe. Uh, there was a pun. Axelrod Kennelly. I, to, to my great shame, I've forgotten. Um, so you go in there, and it was myself and my wife and my mother in law and her boyfriend slash. Fiance. I'm not sure what to call this, this they're, guy. They're They've been unf- together for years. His name's unf- Tony. Unf- He's a Viet- Vietnam vet, very hard, crusty, ex-gym teacher, retired. Um, every Mother's Day, without fail, for the last uh, 10 years, uh, we wish each other a happy Mother's Day. And he chuckles and he goes, "Your mother... <laughs> like that. That's really so good. Every year. Every year. So I know it's coming. You know, it's coming. So I'm waiting for it. So anyway, we, we go to this place and they take us into a room. Oh, and my kids. My kids, of course. Are <laughs> Your there kids also. came. All three of them. Um, because throwing an axe is something that even the kids can get behind. Everybody right? can get behind throwing axes. So you, you, go in, you go in this room and then they project uh, on a wood target. They project... Uh, uh, target. Oh, right. Cool. With like a small section and then big. And it's sort of like playing darts. You throw the, they show you how to throw oh. the ax. You throw the ax and whack gets in there. And then well, you, they, you score they for that. You, like, they do. They teach you. I use the two hand over the head method, <laughs> like the tomahawk. And these things are really sharp. They're like, um, they're like hatchets, but they're super sharp.
0: Did you cut a can like on those television programs for Gensu? I could have, like, I
1: could have, yeah? but it, right through a can. <laughs> right, so the hand can be used like a knife, yeah. but this method doesn't work with a tomato. I no. had to, to do that, um, and so we had a great afternoon just hurling axes down uh, the thing. Yeah. And even my my sixteen year old was um, he was asked later if he had a good time. Yeah, you know, so you know that that's was great. a win. And you know, my my wife is a genius for stitching that all together. I, it was fantastic. Uh, we all had a good time. Yeah, um, yeah that's great. And right, um, it right. wasn't a drink party. There, well, for obvious. Perhaps obvious reasons uh no alcohol is served at the axe throwing uh the axe throwing venue. Uh, you can get wings but uh, no wings but no yeah, no booze. No no booze. So it was a it was an incredibly wholesome yet yet violent activity. Uh, I love this
0: idea. I have come around to like shooting guns at target ranges and yeah, things that's like fun. that. That's awesome. Well, yeah. Maybe not for Mother's Day. Well, why <laughs> not? If you're throwing axes, yeah, yeah. take mom to a shooting range. Well, maybe next year. Um, <laughs> you know,
1: um, what, what did uh, did what you about you? Wait, you know what was nice about this? Right. And let me just I'll just finish this off. Uh, and it's not, not, no, nothing against my mother in law, who by the way was on this show.
0: That's uh, right. If you go back like oh, yeah, early, okay. she
1: you know, because she was worked in the methadone maintenance program for yeah, years yeah. in Suffolk County. To hear
0: her go back to and find that it's on like the episode, early episode four, or yeah, or yeah, yeah like she's that. great,
1: yeah. Um, but you. <laughs> Sometimes these holidays can go a little long. Is all I'm saying, yeah. right? I mm-hmm. mean, like you, you, but by the time you sit down and you have the lunch and dinner and you go walk around and all that stuff, uh, this was like you show up, you do it for an hour, you hug in the parking lot, you're done, and then the rest of the day is yours to enjoy as you see fit. So uh, that like that was it. also nice. I mean,
0: yeah, that's always the benefit too. like we used to go out for Mother's Day, you know, pre-COVID, we would go to the uh, Milleridge Inn Carriage House or whatever it is, and it's like Ridge, seventy-five dollars yeah. a person, and it's It's also happens to be the average age of the patrons. It it is, it is, it's, (laughs) but it it was very nice. But then it's, you always have the awkward thing like, okay, who's paying for this for one. And there's always one guy that always pays for everything because they're the richest Mm -hmm. and everybody knows it. And everyone kind of looks at them. I'm not going to say who that is in our group, but, um, (laughs) that, that always goes on and it's, it's always awkward, but everyone always has a good time. And then you go there and you leave. Now, Post-COVID, we didn't do that. Um, we may next time, though, because the CDC has uh, released you know, um, new information that, okay, now if you're vaccinated, you pretty much don't have to wear a mask anywhere if you're vaccinated, uh, except for like hospitals and planes. Mm-hmm. So that just came out, and that's great news. But uh, when we had people over our house, and, and so it's not quite so easy to kick people out of your house i like no. to say, yeah, yeah when they're they tend over, to linger, it's, it's, especially if there's food. Yeah, yes, <laughs> so we're we're sure to not have too much food. But my parents came over and they they finally emerged from their cocoon. They they've been vaccinated. <laughs> have they been hiding? Uh, they have from COVID. Yes, they have been. Yeah. They survived. They're seventy, turning seventy-eight, and they're in great shape. They do a lot of exercise and. Very on top of things. Your father
1: keeps showing up as a uh, potential uh, Facebook buddy of mine. You, you should. I don't think he knows how to work the Facebook <laughs> machine. But. He's got a great picture of him. He looks yeah. like a uh, uh, suave and you know. <laughs> yes. good, Harold is very suave. Yeah. Oh, your <laughs> mother too. Actually, both of them keep popping up. They,
0: they're a power couple. Yeah. yeah, they met in high school. That's the best part. Newfield yeah, awesome. High School, yeah. can you believe? That. And uh, but uh, my parents came over, and my mother-in-law and I said lua because that's how we say <laughs> yeah. it in Long Island. That's true. We mother-in-law. Do. And we had bagels and lox. And, hey, um, did you, you know, use cream cheese this time or no? No, I never. I hate cream cheese. It's disgusting. Or butter? No butter. No it's butter. No cream cheese. Lox, fish, sliced Raw lo- fish, and no on a dry bagel, smoked fish uh, with smoked whitefish salad, toasted bagel. I'm telling you, I'll make you one. It sounds like like biting no. against a sawdust. Yeah, no, no, it's it's my dream. I love okay, it. Whatever. Um. And then I ran two miles.
1: Yeah. And you're fact, really getting, uh, getting some miles under the belt there, uh, well, buddy.
0: I feel like I'm getting somewhere. You know,
1: most people have you... you well, you are. You're getting around the block a few I, times. I am.
0: <laughs> and, and, and I've been sharing my, uh, my running because uh, Mike is a big runner, and, um, and I want validation from my running peers. Right, I need to know. so. It may seem like overkill that I keep posting my running stuff on uh, I'll Facebook. Always, but uh, be I always encouraging. Need, I need that validation. That's the kind of guy I am. I mm. need a pat on the back. I need to be told I'm good.
1: That's what Strava um, exists for. I love it for bragging and ego stroking.
0: Exactly, but <laughs> and I'm not too I'm not too macho to admit I need that kind of thing.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and actually, I'm remembering this incorrectly. It was my parents who came over, and then later on, my wife went out with um her mother and sister for dinner. So Wow, oh, that's nice. Yeah, that's what happened. And it, I guess it was just my parents then. I'm having trouble remembering now, but um and uh yeah, and then listen, I graduated.
1: Yay, that's awesome, dude.
0: So after let's see. I I started going to college in 1996, and here I am today. Oh wait, I, shit. Is that the right one? Uh with a Bachelor of Arts in English Literature. That's the president's one, man. (laughs) Shit. (laughs) That's hail to the chief, I think. There it is. There you go. (laughs) I'd like to thank everybody for uh, supporting me these last 25 years that I've been attending (laughs) college for my undergraduate degree. I started out as a music ed major with a concentration in classical guitar. Uh, Four years later, I switched to English uh, and then... Moved back home, transferred my credits, and 20 years later, here I am, a bachelor of English literature. And uh, it's very, very satisfying to finally complete this. Um, I can't even describe to you how much better I feel, the relief that I feel. And I know some people will say, what is the point of that? Why would you do that? You have your own business. You, you Even if you didn't have your own business, I have enough you know, career credentials to get a job anywhere in marketing, what does this degree do for you? And my answer is it does everything for me. It's everything I've always wanted. I wanted to achieve that, you know, level of success by like another feeling validated by an organization. It's important to my family. It's important to me and and it's going to be important to my kids. And that's sort of the point. So thank you for all your support. So the question is, what the hell do I do next? Well, I mean, there's tons of stuff you can do. I mean, I feel like I scratched a soul itch. I wanted to say that. I came up with that. I thought that was good. But yeah, it, you texted that to
1: me yesterday. I, I, like I that.
0: thought that was yeah. brilliant. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I came up with that was really brilliant, he, he was, instead of congratulations, Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs>
1: right? So, <laughs> Don't you? <think? laughs> I've never heard I, you, that you, before. You cannot have been the first one to come up with but that. But doesn't it? I hate to break but I mean, it's great. It, it really sucks. <laughs>
0: If you guys could just write me congratulations on uh, on our Facebook group, that would be great. In
1: fact... Nat may uh, post a picture of himself in his outfit. I mean, his uh, cap and gown.
0: Yeah, join join the discussion on our private uh, Facebook group. Uh, if you need to talk, don't hesitate to reach out. We forgot to read this in the housekeeping. Um, and it's Middle Ages Recovery or Recovery in the Middle Ages on Facebook and find our group. And then you can say congratulations to me. Yeah. Um, so what do I do next? I
1: don't know. I remember because uh, my trajectory through the college experience was similar to yours, although removed by a quarter century or so. Yeah, you didn't do I, it straight um, through. Like, no, like my I, I totally failed out of college when I went there and cost my parents a lot of money. I, I spent two years in the Bronx. Um, well, what year on did their you get into smoking college? crack? What year was um, it? Admission. 85. Gotcha. Okay. I was gone by 87. And it wasn't until 90, well, during the time between 87 and 93, when I really got a period of sobriety and I started, you know, really drilling down and, and getting serious about it again, I did a lot of false starts. So I went to probably every college uh, within an accessible subway ride or bus ride of, of where I was living in the Bronx. Hmm. But I would go for like half a semester and then I would just leave. You know, so There's I left a lot of tra- schools around there. Trail of 0.0, yeah. point zero yeah. you know, semesters behind me. And and I was paying for this all myself. Um, which is crazy. Which is crazy. So eventually yeah. I realized, why am I doing this to myself? So I just stopped going. <laughs> I figured I could save the money. There you go. Then in 93, when I, or 92, when I kind of sobered up for a stretch there, I really started getting serious about it. And that's when I went at night and went to, uh, um, uh, work during the day. And I was working out here on Long Island mm. and driving to Queens College at night. Wow. Yeah. You know. yeah. And then I went to NASA for a while, but that's a whole other thing. But um, yeah, and it wasn't a clean sail through either. Like I remember one night uh, when I lived in Williamsburg, I'd spent the entire night. I was at, out at the corner bar snorting. Coke off the bar uh-huh. uh, with the bartender, uh, you know, he'd lock the door and it was like Why does that sound good to me for some reason? I don't know. I got <laughs> I mean, one was, of those like- It was like, good at the time. it sounds great, but, but it's awful. But I would take this Saturday class because they offered a class on Saturday and the teacher was a former uh, controller for the city of New York. Wow. <laughs> yeah, he was good. Um, and I just decided that next morning that I would just roll out and go to Queens College and take the class and sit through the class. And I got there and I was still- High. At Queen's College? Yeah. I'm thinking about going there actually. For yeah. Well, for a master's. Yeah. I mean, I liked it there. But anyway, so I roll into class. It's you know, eight o'clock in the morning. I've been up all night. I must a stank of booze. And I was very twitchy. And I sat like the middle of the classroom. And after about twenty minutes, I realized I'm not sitting here for three hours. There is no way. So I just (laughs) I got up in the You know, no breaker. I just got up and left.
0: And And, those are some of the worst. I mean, I've done that, you know, where you're partying all night and you go to work or go to a class and you're just clenching your teeth
1: yeah and I, if
0: you're lucky you have you got a bag with you that you can hit in the bathroom No, that's the worst of is i was
1: done yeah you look, know and i was so uh, i was coming down off the no, coke okay, and
0: the booze no. and everything else and it's nothing it's just you can't look and then someone will come up to you to like a meeting or ask yeah. about a job or you know something you're doing or in class they call on you and you're just not there and you can see it in their eyes and you don't, and you're also like imagining what they're thinking too, and it's right. always like well, you
1: know, but no, but most most people wouldn't think at eight o'clock in the morning, like if I'm sitting in the middle of a of a class on on how the government works, like that I'd be flying on blow and <laughs> <laughs> booze at eight o'clock. But you know, so I don't know. I didn't do that very often. I actually was very serious about it because again, I was paying for it. You right. Know? But still, it took you know, if if you count the time from when I originally started college in '85. Uh, with fits and starts, it took 13 years for me to get my undergraduate degree. How many? 13. That's it. So I graduated in 1997 and then I went immediately to law school in 98 because I knew if I gave myself too much time in between, I would lose my mojo.
0: Yeah. Uh, And that's the advice I'm getting now is don't take too much time deciding what to do. I mean, and I'm not convinced I need to get a master's to be happy with my career in my life. Um, or, but I don't know. Like, I could get an MSW you and could. do social work. I could set up a private practice. Uh, there's a CCAR, CCAR. Um, like, our friend Recovery Mike has that certification, and he works in recovery. There's a KSAC in New York, which is a drug counselor. It's very difficult to get that. Some of that
1: stuff is uh, will take a very long time, and there's this whole because I looked at the clinical clinical component to it, you know, which is why I kind of shied away from it myself. But
0: yeah, I I mean, I think you uh, you and I have talked about uh, doing the this Naked Mind uh, coaching certification, right? Because we both really believe in that program, and in order to bring you know more. Help to our listeners. Mm-hmm. I feel like it could do a lot for us and and you guys if we had a little more um, better handle on things
1: uh, like that. So, well, w- which reminds me, uh, speaking of, of that, uh, better training might might lead us uh, to avoid the type of situation that happened this week when um, last week we reviewed the documentary um, <laughs> One Little Pill. And uh, Nat, you may recall, tweeted to the um, maker of the documentary, Claudia Christian, Claudia Christian who is also she's very extremely well-known for her role in Babylon 5. And she's very gracious. Very gracious. But she t- so she tweets Nat, <laughs> Nat back during the week. Apparently, she listened to the show and, and was very... Yeah, gracious is the right word because she was like... Um,
0: you could tell she's not she, happy with her. Well,
1: coverage. why don't you... Can you pull that up and read it? I know that we, this isn't on the outline, but I, I, I feel compelled to mention it well, because listen, a little self-flagellation it's is, is a, is a good I'm all thing. about self-flagellation
0: <laughs> so this is Claudia Christian and um, I'm really just thank you for writing us back um, she wrote uh, she wrote that was like, <laughs> are you an English major uh, I wasn't.
1: Uh, an English bachelor. Okay,
0: she me. says, someday I will come on to clarify the information on TSM. That's the Sinclair method. You got some right, but a lot incorrect, especially <laughs> around taking it in the morning with abstinence dosage, etc. Yeah, I wasn't exactly sure what she meant yeah, by that. But. All good. I th- Let's just get the right info to people, I'll check when I have some time to schedule. And, and thank you. And yes, and I think what, what you're talking about, uh, Claudia, is that we were conflating or comparing other uses of naltrexone to the Sinclair method. So I wasn't saying, uh, if, if I understand you correctly, that the Sinclair method involves you taking in the morning. What I was trying to communicate was that naltrexone is used well, it was used by me through my doctor, how it's indicated mm-hmm. as a daily thing. You take it in the morning each and every day to curb your uh, cravings. And that that's the way it's traditionally used. So to, just to clear it to, uh, to everybody, that's not the Sinclair method. That's how I was prescribed it. And so I was kind of just trying to point out how it's different from the way it's traditionally prescribed. Um, but anyway, um, she Claudia said she might be able to come on, and, and we're happy to do that. And um, I would... I would look forward to that. I think that'd be awesome. Yes, and uh, we're not trying to be dicks here at all. Like, no, I love I love that documentary, and um, I think it's it's really important information, and it's another tool that people don't have like or don't know about. So being um, dicks
1: is part yeah, of our stick. Yeah, we we, jo- we joke, but. Um, so, it really is uh, the Sinclair method. So I'm um, starting to think, though, Nat, that maybe you know, the best way to get guests on the show is, is to, them. Is to totally misrepresent what they stand for, offend them, and then invite them on to clarify the right
0: <laughs> That's not a bit. So, like, who, who do we want to have on the most? Let's think of a way to misrepresent like what they stand for, so they can come on. Come I mean, on. I apologize
1: for the Babylon Five shot. I mean, I you know I, I never watched the, I never watched the show. It's just funny know. to
0: see that in the cre- someone's credits when they're talking. You're talking about like, like addiction like, and stuff.
1: It's just so random. I feel <laughs> like it was one of those shows that tried to sort of build on the the, the reboot of Battlestar Galactica. Maybe, but well, she's not a writer on? Yeah, it, I she. know, which is why you know I look.
0: Just to make Listen, us giggle. We, we all take giggles. work.
1: We take work that we can find. <laughs> That's it. all All good. It's all good. Um, yeah. Okay. Wait, sorry. I know. That I, was a tangent. I didn't expect to go t- on. That was
0: tangential. Um, th- well, the next thing I, I wrote, it's just something that came to me while I was doing dishes this morning. Um, and what I wrote here, uh, this is like hours before we came on. I said, "I." I this is a thought I had. I don't want to be around people who think there is nothing left to improve about themselves. Yeah, man. Those that think they have gone as far as they can, miserable as they are, make no effort or have any interest in improving their lives. I don't have the energy to bring them along for yeah.
1: the ride. Because it, because those people will they latch on to you and it's like putting a weight on you and they take you down.
0: And I'm not saying I, I run into a lot of these people, but they pop up in my life and they're people I've known. They're people I've just met. And right. you know, it's... It's a drag, man. And like anybody who, no matter how old you are, no matter how many degrees you have or what your job is, if you ever get to a point where you're like, I've I've gone as far as I can go uh, and this is what it is and right. it sucks and this is just how it is and mm-hmm. like- there's always room for improvement. If you don't think you need to improve on
1: something, you're not being self-reflective enough. Yeah, there's, there's, period. You can improve on everything, but it doesn't always have to be career-related. I mean, no, you, it can a, be in other aspects of your life. Hundred you know? percent. Because uh, there's different parts of your brain that need to be developed in different ways. Yeah, you know? just Creativity like, and...
0: And the more I like know. get going with my life, the more I'm like, okay, now I'm exercising, now I'm dieting, mm-hmm. and then I'm trying to really build on all the good stuff. You start to see the people who are just kind of watching. Right. And,
1: and they, so they resent it sometimes. Yes. They get angry at you. you and, know? It's um, crazy.
0: I don't know. And when I was reading the um, Recovery Dharma, which we're uh, talking about today, it talks a lot about how we should be happy for other people's success Mm -hmm. no matter who that person is and no matter what it is that they're successful with right it's this idea of we're all happy for each other and trying to support each other and um and i just want to be around people like that that's what i want in my life that's what i'm trying to do and and uh, people like that make me happy and um and that was just a kind of epiphany i had
1: that's great Um, i'm trying to find kumbaya but i can't i'm (laughs) here But, you know, I mean, listen, I'm a bit of a cynic by nature. I think you, you can't yes, spend so many years, like, Cynical you know,
0: is one thing. I yeah. mean, like, but doing things to improve your life, right? Like yeah. Whatever that is. I
1: mean, my, my feeling is this. I mean, you know, belief in reincarnation notwithstanding, I mean we're here for a very short period of time and you know, what's the old expression? They never buried anybody whose last words were, gee, I wish I spent more time at the office or I wish I spent more time, you know, and none of us is getting out of here alive. That's it. So, you know, it's a finite amount of time. So, so, you know, and, and, you know sometimes I I regret the time that I spent uh, yeah. sitting in bars and frittering me, wasting the hours away you know Me fucking too man but I am constantly and this is
0: actually turning into a problem I think for for me in some ways I'm I'm in at that like making up for lost time. Like now that I'm clear headed finally, and I have some energy in my life, mm-hmm. I'm like, I th- just all want that, to go out and do everything. I, yeah. As yeah. you can tell, you i mean, want to
1: snort the world.
0: I'm like the Tasmanian <laughs> devil. You know what I mean? I want everything done. I want to improve this, improve that. I want to play better chess. I want to be better exercising. I want to read more books. Um, and a lot of that is the making up for lost time thing because I lost mm-hmm. so much time. Mm-hmm. I lost basically my thirties. Um, even though miraculously I had two children and bought a home,
1: um, I mean you were still you were still living life, you know. Yes, but I, I hated mean, my life. Yeah, but, I
0: hated myself every none morning. Of that,
1: you can't think of that as time wasted, though. Yeah, you really can't because I it's just, just part of the tapestry of your life. No, no, no I know? feel like I'm enjoying my life finally, yeah. and I'm like, wow, where where was this? But but think about people who never had that that experience of that low, right? you know, so they've been kind of going along at an even keel for their whole lives. You, it's like you and I, it's like a second life. Yeah. It's like a, 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 a open curtain and let's go, you
0: know, that's it, and man. So, I think that's it completely.
1: So I, th- I don't think you have that experience if you, if you don't have some struggles. I mean, everybody has struggles, right? But some, some, right. it's struggles. what you do with it right. and
0: how you reflect upon it. Um, yeah. And I think, um, your wife and my wife both were a little annoyed they had something to say about us rambling too much
1: at the opening of the show and yeah I, she was sort of like everyone uh, like, was like you know let, yeah cuz she makes it through a lot of the rambling but not, she's like i don't know what did you talk about this week cuz i i couldn't make it through your you know stuff well, which is fine, uh, you know. Well, um, why
0: don't we just cover one more thing before we, because we have a lot to discuss on recovery dharma. Um, last week on the show, we you mentioned a phrase, toxic positivity,
1: yeah. Um, and I well, wanted to know, learn when that more. came up, that came yeah. up. Uh, actually, Aaron Moore brought it up. Um, it was it was sort of a passing comment that she made when she was talking about yeah um, the. You know, coming out of the nugget of wisdom from, uh, and I was like, oh, toxic positivity, which I guess, uh, it's that it's the belief that no matter how shitty the situation is, you should maintain a positive mindset. Uh, the old good vibes only approach. Um, I I mean, I think it's the Pollyanna. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I don't know. I mean, I think people have different baseline levels of positivity. So,
0: well, I like, I like what it says, you know, like when you say, why is it harmful? Um, rather than being able to share authentic human emotions and gain unconditional support, people find their feelings dismissed, ignored, or outright invalidated. And I've experienced that too, being toxically mm-hmm. positive, like with my wife or my son, when they're you know feeling down or having a bad day. Right. And then I try and just be like, oh, everything will be fine. And yeah. don't worry. And just stay positive. At least you're not dead. You Look know? on the bright and, side. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> some of that is great. but Everything happens for a reason. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's important to validate people's feelings. Happiness is a choice. It is <laughs> right. Isn't it?
1: That's <laughs> a good one. Um, no, but
0: validating your your loved ones' feelings and your friends and and acknowledging that maybe there isn't something you can say to fix this and right. that's okay. I,
1: I I was so interested in this because I, I feel that I do this to people sometimes. Like I g I because I'm I'm typically a pretty positive person and I tend to try to see the bright side and everything. Yeah, me too. Um but that doesn't mean I should force other people to see the bright side in their shitty situations right all the time either so I, I have to be mindful of that
0: it's yeah. it's better to just be supportive and I'm getting better at that with with my wife and and my kids and you know my family and people who you know it's because a lot of people um, some of my friends who visit me at the shop, like I'm like Lucy with the uh, ed, from peanuts with the advice booth. Uh-huh. Like I have regulars that come right. to my store and they don't ever buy anything, but they talk to me about their life. And I don't know if they're directly Is requesting. That it, but or, uh, sometimes I don't. I'm not in the mood for it. <laughs> but um, I'm happy to be a person who can be understanding and um, you know give us lend a sympathetic ear. And sometimes I find it's best to just say, yeah, man, that does suck. You Thank know? you for
1: sharing. Thank you for
0: sharing. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know, I'm happy to uh, to be in ear, a sympathetic ear, and, and then people aren't always looking for a solution. They just want you to commiserate, right? Maybe
1: women um, say that a lot. What when you try to provide them with a solution? Yeah, they don't it's, want a they solution. Want a they solution.
0: just want you to say, "Yes, that woman at work is trying to destroy you, and I fucking hate her too."
1: <laughs> She's yeah, trying
0: but, to destroy me. Well,
1: men are from Mars? Mars and women are from Venus. That whole thing. Um, yeah, but you know the, the last point on that is um you know it, not being toxically positive all the time is also good for for you and me because i find like if i'm trying to overwhelm someone else's negativity with my positivity and they don't give me positivity back i get angry and <laughs> and then i'm like well now i'm angry right what's the fucking point of that uh so good thing to keep to keep a uh, keep an eye out for but but there, the the thing that stuck in my head when Aaron was talking about this was um, the old AA uh, idea of uh, fake it till you make it, mm-hmm. right? And how how that sort of dovetails in with toxic positivity because really if you're just pretending to be in a state that you're not in, isn't, right. isn't that the same thing as toxic positivity? Mm. Or am I just conflating two things that are dissimilar?
0: I think that that fake it till you make it thing can work for a short period of time when you first come in and you don't buy into any of that shit that they're telling you. Mm-hmm. That's when they want you to just say, just fake it for a few weeks. What it does is it gets, if you're faking it, it'll make you, or supposedly, that means you'll go and participate, even though in your head you're thinking this is bullshit and I don't want anything to do with this. But
1: eventually you'll come around. Right. If you So isn't happiness you a choice then? Because then if you, isn't, yeah. if you perceive happiness, is happiness then... I, I believe happiness so, is a choice. So then is there 100%. anything such thing as toxic positivity? I don't
0: know. <laughs> <laughs> I've just learned that <laughs> phrase today. So um, maybe we'll do a whole show on that. I, I love, this is a great topic. we can get
1: Aaron back to talk about yeah, toxic positivity. Aaron, if you're out she there. She seems to know things about
0: toxic positivity that I do yeah. not. We'll have her back. But I think now we can get to our um, main discussion. Yeah. Uh, we are reading a book called Recovery Dharma. Um, which uh, the Buddhist the it.
1: Buddhist approach to recovery? It's by by basically adopting uh, a framework of Buddhism. Uh, it will help you in your recovery. Uh, yeah, it's, so uh, it's really interesting. So yeah, Buddhism itself is an, is interesting. So uh, who was the Buddha? I guess would be a good place to start, right? Because Buddhism is based on the Buddha. It's uh, a guy.
0: I forget his name. It's
1: like uh, Prince Siddhartha. Yes, yeah, Siddhartha. Kautama, he was an Indian prince. Lived, uh, I think, about two thousand BC, somewhere around there. I always get the date screwed up. I think it was twenty four hundred. Twenty four hundred? Seriously? I'm remembering. Okay. Maybe. Well, I was in the same century. Yeah. I mean, same. He grew
0: learning. up rich, right? He and he had everything. He, he had needed. everything
1: he needed, but. Um, and his his parents never wanted him to see any of the suffering and stuff in life, so they kept him inside the palace. But one day he decided to go out and see what was going on. It's like
0: Aladdin, where the princess goes out to see the people, and she meets the monkey in Aladdin. It's just right, like that. Just right? like
1: that. Okay. Um, so he goes out of the palace, and he sees uh, an old person, a sick person, and a dead person, and he realizes that um, you know things are not always as they as they seem, and that everyone is going to suffer and die. And there's always going to be sickness and so on. Mm. So he leaves his gilded palace. He he leaves his family, his wife and his, his kids. And this is the part that I always have trouble getting my head around. Yeah. But he leaves and he becomes an ascetic. So basically a wandering monk. And he engages in all of these yogic practices. Of, uh, what are you doing?
0: He's, uh, my pants are riding <laughs> okay. up. He's like a beat author of the... Uh-
1: 2400 BC well except he doesn't uh, drink wine or drink coffee in cafes instead he starves himself and meditates in contorted positions and all this stuff yeah. and uh but he doesn't really get anywhere and um and then eventually he uh stops being an ascetic he lies down on the bank of the river ganges and accepts um some um porridge from a young uh a girl that comes up to him and he he takes that, and then he um, realizes that extremes of asceticism or indulgence are not the way to live your life. You should develop something called the middle way. And that's mm. you know neither being extreme in one way or the other. Then he goes and he sits under the Bodhi tree and meditates. Mm. And, and when the evening star rises, he realizes that um, um, he has an enlightenment experience. And he realizes that um, uh, everything is... We're all the same. Everything is one, um, you know, so on and so forth. And, and then he spends the rest of his uh, career uh, sharing that experience and teaching other people. How Meanwhile, to his it kids meditation. are like, what the fuck happened
0: to dad? <laughs> Can you imagine what a bitch his wife was that he completely like just abandoned him? He said him? he was
1: only going for cigarettes. Yes, <laughs> He did not come back for pizza and he went out
0: and uh, <laughs> started a religion. So... <laughs>
1: That's awful. Yes, that is. Extremely I I have awful. have to get rid of that. Um, anyway, but so, so, so what he came up with was uh, the structure of the Buddhist religion uh, includes the four noble truths. Yes. Okay? Very the, cool. The I first noble this. truth is that uh, life, there is suffering, the existence of suffering, or dukkha, as it's, as Dukha, it's called yeah. in the.
0: In I love the, learning all these new words, too. Um, dukkha. Dukkha so, is
1: suffering. Suffering. Got it. Um,
0: that's like the three so, rings of right. marriage. I mean,
1: I've heard, it, I've heard it translated as life is suffering or the, the truth of the existence of suffering. But mm. I mean, it's hard to deny that there is suffering in life. And suffering, uh, the second noble truth is that suffering is, is due to desire, uh, mm. the desire to like have things. Desi- also the desire to have an independent ego exist. So that's that's a little heavy though. Huh. So let's let's skip that part for now. But craving and desire is what causes suffering. And the third noble truth is that suffering. Uh, there is a way to cease suffering. The The truth of the secession of suffering. Uh, and then the fourth noble truth is that you can uh, end suffering by following something called the eightfold path. Yes. And there's lots of different things included in the eightfold path, like uh, right action, right speech, right livelihood. Uh, Yeah, wise thinking. thinking. I love that shit. So I mean, that's just like a thumbnail sketch of of um of what Buddhism. Yeah, and let me just say that I
0: never studied Buddhism, even though I did comparative theology like more than once in in different classes and things like that. I don't remember like really studying Buddhism to a point that you know. I I just had an epiphany reading this new book, like. Buddhism, all the, like, the wise this and the noble that and, like, all of the things that we were talking about and suffering and craving and compassionate kindness and love and all of that, it feels like, I'm like, that's, these are the things that I was already trying to make myself, like, be and Mm -hmm. to do in life, and this is, this whole time I've been a Buddhist, you know, basically philosophy-wise, and now I'm only just realizing, I'm like, and this is, like, Wow. I mean, I love this. I mean, and this isn't even, we're not even talking about the drug recovery part of this recovery dharma, but just Buddhism in general, uh, from what I'm just learning now, it really, it really like goes along with what I feel already. I think it's great.
1: I think it's great that that resonates inside you because some people have a hard
0: time. um, Just the loving kindness, compassion, like it's all this stuff that we teach in Sunday school. Right at church, that you love your enemy and you're happy for people no matter what, like, and that's hard to do. That's that's a hard practice to not, you know, um, but j- feel jealous and things like that.
1: It is um, the difference, of course, between Buddhism and like Judeo-Christian religions is that there's no creator or that the existence of God or a creator is not mandatory.
0: Right. And that, that's why Buddhism can work for a Christian is because it's, it it is a religion, but it's also a philosophy Mm -hmm. and it's completely comports with, um, just some of this basic Buddhist philosophy, even meditating. As far as I'm concerned, as a deacon of the Presbyterian church, um, It comports with my religious views, like Mm -hmm. completely. It does not, you know, go against it or anything. Um, And I think it's just a better way to be. It sounds to me like a a healthy mental practice and spiritual practice.
1: Yeah, I've um, sort of internalized this philosophy my entire life. I mean, I've been meditating in one form or another since I was in high school. Now, granted, there were long stretches there when there was drinking and drug activity where meditation wasn't possible because you do have to have sort of a... Uh, clarity of mind to meditate um, otherwise you're kind of you're wasting your time really mm-hmm. um, I remember there was times when I was drinking when I used to have a couple glasses of wine and think I could go then sit on the cushion and meditate and that was <laughs> absurd you yeah. know uh, on its even face. after
0: you were practiced at meditating because I've tried to meditate yeah. when
1: I, I didn't know anything about meditating and then I was drinking and I'm like I'm going to try to well, meditate I mean I guess we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit because meditation is part of the program and it's part of of buddhism in general like, that's the part of the book i got
0: to and i haven't been able to get past it because i'm always doing something like <laughs> stop and meditate
1: yeah i get halfway through the book. but but i mean um the whole idea of meditation is that you you turn the light inwards right And yeah. and you you know you pay attention to what's going on in your mind and in your body and that's very difficult to do even if you have one or two glasses of wine in you uh because your thinking is not Clear, you can't really examine your own thinking.
0: Yeah, we were just talking about meditating last night uh, in one of our conversations, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I, I've not been a meditator. I'm, it's not something I, I did in my life. It's something I always aspired to, want to try to do. Right, <laughs> but um, I actually did. Like when this pandemic started and we got locked down, um, I was I was in recovery, I still am, but um, I didn't have the option as far as I saw it, to use or drink when everything around me was telling me to drink, everything felt this anxiety that built up in me. Mm -hmm. And what I did though is and even while everyone around us was, you know, loading up on booze and it was totally socially appropriate and it was you know, everyone was doing it, I said to myself, that's not an option for me. But I have this anxiety and I have this feeling I have to do something. And that's when I got the Headspace app and I just forced myself, like you were joking, like, what did you say? Shut up. I'm going to go meditate. But that's exactly what I did when I started to do it. Mm-hmm. I, if things got too, too hairy at, at home with the kids and the wife and everything, right. I would just be like, fuck this. I'm going to go meditate, literally. And then I would <laughs> slam the door, lie down, pop in the earbuds. Mm-hmm. And I would be transported to just feeling better. Mm. So it's really magical
1: uh, to me. I haven't been doing it though lately. I need to get back to it. Meditation is interesting. It's, uh, it's sometimes it can work that way. And then other times you sit down and, and it's just an incredibly frustrating experience. And the the... What the what the Buddhist what my any teacher that's ever taught me how to meditate would be is is that's actually part of the practice. It's sitting with the frustration. It's sitting with the, the I'm not not this isn't doing anything. I'm not getting anywhere. It's you basically are, are supposed to not have a goal while you're doing it. You're just you're sitting there and you're just observing. You're observing what your body's doing. You're observing what your mind is doing. Yeah, so it's degrees. great if it if it if it ends up be, putting you in a state of bliss. But there's some people that have suffered from trauma. Some people that have have really negative experience in PTSD. And if you start meditating and you start turning the lens inward, you start to see things that maybe you don't know how to deal with. Yeah. And that's, you know, there've been some studies that have been done that have shown that meditation is not uh, a calming, um, thing for some people to do so if if you fit into that trauma ptsd well, but what
0: about guided thing? meditation like i did when i meditate i have to use the guided so it's a got a guy from headspace he's like hello we're going i to mean that's
1: great i don't i've never guided meditation oh, really I, I
0: just it forces me into meditate land but like that would be different maybe because I have a bunch of trauma that comes up, you know, but when I got that guy in my head like, okay, now we're going to breathe in and you're going to be just like a cloud, mm. you know, and I have that in my head. it, it lets me focus on not focusing. Mm. So maybe that's like a, a a hack for people who don't <laughs> want to remember all the horrible shit that happened to them.
1: Well... And not not to get too into the weeds with meditation, but there's there's so many different ways to practice it. Um, even in the Buddhist tradition, like certain sects of Zen Buddhists, have you think about a unanswerable question, like what was the what was your face before your parents were born, or what is the sound of one hand clapping? Is the most that's one hand clapping. There you go. You've solved the koan. <laughs> you are now an enlightened <laughs> Thank master. You. Um, And then there's other schools like uh, the Vipassana school where all you do is focus on your breathing in and out, in and out. Breath work, uh, they call it now. That's a trendy
0: thing. Is it? Doing breath work. I've seen this on recording houses. But there's
1: also yogic breath work, which is, you know, you're supposed to breathe in through one nostril and breathe out the other. How the hell do you do that if you're not snorting coke? They call it pranayama (laughs) practice. There's all different ways of of practicing meditation. Um, But what 's interesting to me is this this idea of sort of overlaying the structure of Buddhism on top of a recovery program yeah i 'm not sure how I feel about that i think I think Buddhism is extremely useful in in structuring your worldview so that you can see things that are happening to you with a level of clarity that you would not otherwise do so and I think meditation helps you to develop that clarity of thinking um, they do that tying in tying it into too. a re- tying it into recovery like I'm I'm just not sure where it all fits well, prayer together. and meditation when you st- when you're right. in the AA
0: pr- program they're telling you you know
1: And this program does say you know we don't discourage you from participating in any other recovery program if you find it they helpful encourage and go you. ahead and do it
0: you know They have their um, own form of community that they talk about in the book where there's other right. wise they call them wise friends
1: Wise Friends I love that which is like a sponsor, but not. It's but more like, like what we're doing, like exactly tandem sponsor. And I don't know if that article is up on our Facebook on our uh, website yet, but I did write an article on the concept of tandem sponsoring that I sent to you the other day.
0: Shit. I don't know if I sent that to Ud Paul. Well we'll get it up we'll today. Get that up. Yeah, Ood um, Paul is working on the secure technical. But let's mm-hmm. let's
1: talk about a little bit about the uh, the wise friend uh, that they that they suggest uh that you develop um a relationship with. I mean i think they from what i remember because my notes of course are way too long to read the uh um the whole idea of of the wise friend like there's two different kinds of wise friends right there's there's one who is just um somebody you respect because of their innate knowledge and wisdom. And then there's somebody who's been through the recovery program Mm -hmm. and who has that set of tools in their toolbox. So I think they, from what I remember, they suggest, um, forging relationships with both kinds of people. Right.
0: Yeah. I I love that. Like the wise friends, Mm -hmm. Huh. I think, because it, it's it's so accurate, you know, and it kind of, that, thinking of it in, in those terms, I mean, you do it anyway. When they tell you in AA, stick to the winners, whatever that means. But, <laughs> you know, to to come together with people who are, you have, there's something about their program or their recovery that you respect or mm-hmm. long for or want to learn more about, or you can identify with. I mean, that's, that's part of the recovery community. Um, and I think it's put very, put, Pretty succinctly, there with this wise friends idea.
1: They okay. Here's here's what I meant. They um they recommend working with a mentor. Mm -hmm. Okay, and um but they also say that that's not a formal position. No one is certified or authorized. They are just members of the community freely sharing their journey through the four truths and the eightfold path. Everyone decides for themselves if they want to collaborate with somebody else on their path, understanding that they must ultimately do the work of recovery themselves. And therein lies the big difference between something like uh, recovery dharma and AA, is that this is very much a self-directed program,
0: right? And that's that's Buddhism, right? Going into yourself, you know, but seeking support. But they're not telling you that do it alone. No.
1: In fact, the three jewels of Buddhism are the Buddha, which can stand for the historical Buddha, or it could also stand for the idea of the awakened self that is in each one of us. That's why that old expression, if you see the Buddha on the road, kill him, because you don't want the historical Buddha to stand in the way of you recognizing your own Buddhism, uh, your your own uh, enlightenment. Uh, So Buddha, Dharma, which is the teachings, and Sangha, which is the collection of... People that together—it's uh, like the community. Yeah, it's the community. And so,
0: dharma is the truth. Also, do they say dharma mm-hmm. means
1: truth? Yes.
0: And, and then it's sangha is community. Community.
1: Yeah. So, okay. um, so there's an AA sangha, I guess. Yeah. And you know, there's a recovery dharma sangha. And so there are meetings in recovery dharma. Like I, um, you know, people get together. And the, and at the end of the book, there's a structure for how to organize a meeting, how to run a meeting. Uh, you basically. Uh, a lot of it is shared meditation together. People will sit at the meeting and mm. meditate together. And then there's sharing, um, you know, which can take Share, any, any form of you like, experience. you know. uh, Yeah. I mean, the meeting is, it's structured more or less similar to any other 12 step right. meeting, but with the differences that you're, you're, you know, the program is the Buddhist worldview. It's not, Right, a big book, you know.
0: Right, and um, in fact, we we have a friend um, on, in the Dopey Nation uh, named Jed, who runs uh, a, a recovery Dharma weekly Zoom meeting, uh, and I've reached out to him, and he, he we're going to hopefully be able to get him on next week. To I want him to sort of talk about how how it works practically, right? Like how is he? Is yeah. this, how are they using these meetings, and what's his experience?
1: That's what I would like to know because the book is a little. The book sets forth the philosophy and, and everything, but it does not really get into the particulars of, of how you would organize a meeting mm-hmm. or how you would um, use this information in a positive way to affect your own recovery. Um, but you know, they, they indicate in the book that group, there are groups that have formed to support uh, each other in writing inquiries or investigations of how their be- addictive behavior led to suffering. Um, mm, which you know craving some some approach it the same way as inventories in twelve ah. steps, and some don't. Um, the goal is not to dwell on past shame or trauma, but to turn towards the pain and confusion we have been running from and learn to meet it with kindness, forgiveness, and compassion
0: yeah, uh and I love the point what I gleaned from um the first half of the book. he They talk about how what well, they're basically trying to understand and treat addiction with uh, this Buddhist philosophy. And one of the things they discuss is craving Mm -hmm. and how craving is the negative, basically the negative extension of the wanting that we're trying to squash with Buddhism. Mm -hmm. This wanting, this coveting, this what I don't have instead of focusing on the now. So that craving for what you don't have sort of perpetuates the addiction, which then destroys your life. And so through this Buddhist practice, you are moving away from this craving, this wanting. And, and then it, it's interesting. They're kind of tackling the craving, like as they call it in NAA, the phenomena of craving. Mm-hmm. They're talking about a physical problem where you, you feel it. And we've all been there, if you're an addict, that physical craving. But it really is a soul craving
1: as well. And the practice of meditation uh, will bring that to your conscious awareness and make it, easier to deal with
0: right by naming it because so much of
1: what we do you know we wander through life and everything is is driven by our unconscious right we've talked about that on this show Mm -hmm. endlessly but developing the awareness that you can actually see this operating inside your head because think about what you do when you go through your day, you know, half the people on this planet, more than half, they live in the past or they live in the future. They don't live in the present because, you know, you can, you can start thinking about something that, may never happen but write a, an entire script inside your head about how it's going to turn out what's going to happen get all agitated yep. about it get angry at people that have no idea that you've just written this story in your head right. and and the whole idea of meditation and and buddhism is that you sit there and you sort of untangle this and you mm. you you realize that you know you, you shouldn't be doing that you don't there's no need to do that. You you just bring everything back to the present moment and, right. and realize and that stuff that's... Stuff that happened too. Yeah.
0: people, and myself included, and my wife too, sometimes will have these discussions that, you know, something went wrong or happened or broke and it will continue, you know, understandably to upset her long after anything could be done about mm-hmm. it. So like once, okay, the thing has happened, spilled milk, right? what what are you doing to yourself um, by continuing to perpetuate this anxiety and anger about it instead of, okay, what do we do now? And and what can we control and, and fix right now? And so it's very difficult to separate yourself from that or worrying about the future. Like I did a lot of worrying about the future still do, you know, with this degree and all of the work I've been doing up at this in my signing the lease for my store and mm-hmm. what, what's going to be become of my life. And, you know, and it was very hard for me to just say, like right now, right, I'm okay, right, right now I'm okay. I'm not drinking. I'm not using. I'm happy. I'm healthy.
1: Yeah, or you turn the you can turn the lens back and on yourself to use the, the spilled milk analogy. You know, um, you know, you could look at that and say, God damn it! Why do I always everything? Everything I touch, I drop. My life is a mess. It's like, and you take it and you take this idea you take this I'm information cursed. and you run with it. Yeah. I'm cursed. I'm Everything cursed. I do is, is fucked up. I can never get at, you know, ahead in life. Da, 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 da. And all of this is just a story you tell yourself. It has no external reality, right. you know? So when you sit there yeah, no and luck. you meditate <laughs> and you follow your breath, obviously things are going to come up because the brain, the best way I ever heard it described was like your, your gallbladder secretes bile, because that's what it does to digest food. Your brain secretes thoughts, because that's what it does. It thinks, right? Mm. So these thoughts are going to come, and the thoughts are going to come, you, there's no way you're going to be able to stop your brain from thinking. So in meditation, you're not trying to stop thinking. You're trying to, you know, are you're trying to watch the thinking happen and dispassionately and get a, get a sense of, um, you know, that, that, that it's ultimately not, not real. It's not you. It's just this collection of, of, um, uh, thoughts and ideas and stuff that you, stories that you write in your own head. And none of that stuff is really exists. Yeah. This, uh, this reminds
0: me of, uh, I, I studied Zen Buddhism just in a philosophy class in college. It was just a section of it. And I just, the one thing that I remember from reading that Zen Buddhism book that we were studying was they had they there was something called mind weeds and like it was part of learning how like when you're trying to um it was just sort of the practice of when you're meditating the things that come up that Mm -hmm. distract you from your meditation practice they call it mind weeds and you're supposed to weed because if you're gardening you pull the weeds Mm -hmm. out and so it was this practice of okay when one comes up how do you you know take it and weed it And continue to do that until it's more clear and it becomes
1: easier. That's a good analogy. Because eventually the space between the thoughts is going to grow longer, bigger and bigger. And then it's it's going to be nice and chill. So like the Zen, I guess, I forget
0: what book that was. I still have it somewhere. I,
1: I actually have written written read a lot of books on Zen in my life and that analogy i've never heard and really? that's that's really and it's the
0: one i did read
1: <laughs> it's the thing that stuck out yeah but the the important thing to do is when these thoughts come up is not to judge them as good or bad just sort of observe them and then go back to yeah you know, paying attention to your breath because you know but once that, you start assigning value then you're off on this little fantasy trip and you can spend like 20 minutes thinking about something you know? and,
0: and i love that part of buddhism which is the not assigning good or bad value to mm-hmm. things it's just it is right, you know, and then you don't confuse yourself with this, is it good or is it bad type of thought, and wheres it? so it's just kind of addressing each thing that comes up, thoughts, actions, people mm-hmm. as they are right that moment, mm-hmm. and so that that way of thinking and being it uh. It definitely helps, I think, evolve a person. And uh, I'm actually very excited to do a little more studying on Buddhism. I'm very interested in this. And I can't wait to get Jed on probably next week. Yeah. We're going to do a couple of parts on this book. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it won't just be on this book. I mean, I, I feel like we're really going to be more of a like a discussing Buddhism as a philosophy and a way of life that can aid in your recovery.
1: Love it. I think I Love like it. that. I mean, the, the compassion is such a big part of, of, of Buddhism, also. And, and you get, some people have a hard time with compassion, but it kind of sneaks in the back door. When you're <laughs> the latch is greased coming through <laughs> the back. Because when you're meditating with all all these thoughts and you realize that, you know, the thoughts are just, you know, they're not really real, but what's behind it is this, this you, this this other entity, Mm. everybody else is is having that shared experience. So Mm. you're, you're no real, really no different from everybody else. It's easier to find compassion when you see like commonalities between everything. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I love it. Um, anyhow, I I think we should wrap up part one for
1: the week. That's going to be part one. um,
0: That's part one. Um, and we are going to tune in next week. Uh, hopefully, we get Jed on to discuss uh, the practical application in meetings and uh, and how and what Buddhism and recovery Dharma how it works for him and how it can work for you. And we will be right back after these words. <laughs> definitely, I don't, I don't know who makes that mess. Nobody else uses it. Well, it's you.
1: It. I know. It's your bathroom, and you're the only one that but uses it. I don't
0: do anything extraordinary in that bathroom. I mean, it's just, but it seems it, it accumulates like gook. I don't know how it does it. Like I, I <laughs> try listeners and be are careful. Enjoying,
1: enjoying this, I'm I, sure.
0: I try to be careful. I don't. In any case, thanks for... Uh, Matt, what time is it? It is Recovering the News! Yeah! In the news, recovery in the news recovery.
1: <laughs> Someday Recovering I want to meet the musician who the created that jingle. <laughs> so uh I set Google alerts up for things like addiction, alcoholism, uh, you know, 12 step.
0: I forgot weak and weird, go on.
1: <laughs> so um so I was, and I checked them every day, right? So the other day I'm going through there and, I, and a headline caught my eye and I will read the headline verbatim, verbatim. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Verbatim, I hardly know him. Uh, liquor shops closure, hide sanitizers, provide tasty food to alcoholics. <laughs> and I'm like, I gotta, fig- I gotta know what that article is about. So it's from something called SIFY.com and I'm assuming this is some sort of like weak and weird uh, thing from sci-fi.com, but it turns out it's a, um, a paper or something in, in a small area of India, which is somehow indexed to uh, Google search terms or something. Yeah. So Chennai, India, and I'm going to read the first paragraph to you all because I found it pretty funny. Um, feeding tasty food on time Every time, increasing the fluid intake, hiding sanitizer, and other liquids containing alcohol, conversing in a gentle and understanding manner are what the family members of alcoholics should do to their loved ones when the liquor shops are closed for two weeks starting Monday, said an experienced counselor. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Tasty food. Uh, In order to prevent the spread of coronavirus, the Tamil Nadu government has ordered closure of liquor shops for two weeks as part of a stringent lockdown measure. I might... Add that this is something that we couldn't seem to get our our heads around here in the United States. We decided that our medical system was already too overwhelmed uh, with COVID-19 patients, so we were not going to close the liquor stores because we did not want an influx of people who were detoxing to show up in the emergency rooms. India is less concerned with this and provides dubious information (laughs) for people to follow. Um, It is an opportunity for the family members of alcoholics to wean away their loved ones from this habit, but the family members have to handle it gently. uh jacqueline david senior counselor told ians she said when an alcoholic is deprived of his drink then he suffers from what is called withdrawal symptoms oh, is that what it's called oh, my goodness i was okay. wondering uh the withdrawal symptoms are anger shaking hands heartburn sensation fits hallucination hearing voices in the ears supposed <laughs> opposed to elsewhere sleeplessness violent behavior And others. And others. According to her, to manage the withdrawal symptoms, an alcoholic should be fed properly at regular intervals with lots of vegetables, and his or her (laughs) fluid intake should also be increased. I've been telling people that, you know, forever. Eat vegetables. Eat your vegetables if you're withdrawing. An alcoholic should be given lime juice with sugar and a dash of salt. One can also give other juice. The other steps that family members could take is to distract the alcoholic and keep his mind engaged, she said. I'm picturing like a, like a, A dangerous puppy or a monkey or something. A hungry stomach will trigger the craving for liquor. Uh, You should also write, hide all liquids like sanitizers, aftershave lotion, and others containing alcohol from the reach of the alcoholic. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, During the 2020 lockdown, three persons died after drinking paint varnish with water and two persons lost their lives after consuming aftershave lotion with water. Um, yep. Many, many, not many realize that alcoholism is a mental and nervous disease requiring medical attention. It is not known about the plans of the government to handle the distressed alcoholics in providing detox medicine.
0: Y- yeah. Where are you, you know, recovering the news is supposed <laughs> to be stuff from like actual journalism.
1: Okay. What a, is it? A, a, <laughs> where are you, grab- alcoholics? Have the habit of consuming in large quantities if there is stock, rather than spreading it over several days. Meanwhile, long queues were seen out, sort of outside of the liquor outlets in the state after the government announced closure of shops for two weeks.
0: Yeah, it's it's funny. They talk about the uh, hand sanitizer problem. There's actually an intervention episode. Look this up, where the the guy is addicted to hand sanitizer. Like he's just licking it out of the bottle. Well, they show you how he does it. He like mixes a little water in it, shakes it up, and just like. Like drinks it straight that's, up. And he gets addicted to it. That's rubbing alcohol. Yeah. So watch that episode. But it's a real thing. People like when I was in rehab, uh it's it it's easier hmm? to just get regular alcohol, isn't it? But once he gets used to that type, it's really strong or something and it has a certain effect, he gets addicted Fuck. to it. In in a rehab, they none of the hand sanitizers had were they were all alcohol free because they worried about patients drinking the the hand sanitizer. Did they hide,
1: like the paint and stuff too? Like, there,
0: nothing contained alcohol. You couldn't even have mouthwash because um, it contains alcohol. And when you're desperate enough for uh, alcohol, you will do anything.
1: Do they serve like healthy vegetables and lime juice with a pinch of salt? <laughs> There's plenty of...
0: <laughs> I didn't have lime juice, but the vegetables were <laughs> abundant. Mostly carbs. <laughs> I remember with well, the first rehab I went to, uh, man, we had this chef, Chef Bobby. He was a big roly-poly and he... Practically made like ravioli for like three meals a day. Like everything was this- What's not to like? Oh man, it was like, I gained like 40 pounds, man. (laughs) Every meal it was like, it was just all comfort food. It was eggs, bacon, you know, just like lunch, pasta,
1: everything. Meatloaf, mashed potato. It was good too. So this- Journalism is actually right. I think it is. You just you must provide frequent tasty foods to (laughs) alcoholics.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. I think it nourishes the body. But um, there you are running
1: down Indian journalism, and meanwhile, they're right on point. Recovery in the news, and
0: that's it. That's right. And now it's time for an impromptu <laughs> this week in weird UFO lands in Bolivian village and releases chupacabra like creature. <laughs> you, you just found that in like 10 seconds. I did. Residents of a village in Bolivia claimed to have witnessed a UFO landing wherein, wherein the craft subsequently released a chupacabra like <laughs> creature into their community. The very strange incident reported occurred in the town of Montiagudo earlier this month when observers first spotted a puzzling halo of light appear in the sky and then descend to the ground. Quote, there was a crash, like thunder, recalled Bolivian UFO researcher Javier Ayaga, who indicated that the object appeared to be, quote, throwing fire. Things took an even weirder turn when those on the scene, saw some kind of entity, exit the craft.
1: Um, sounds like someone was drinking hand sanitizer.
0: Yeah. So, um, what happened was I forgot the craft. According to witnesses, this interstellar interloper stood approximately one foot tall. and One foot? One foot tall. And That's sported, like very small. It had three fingers on each of its hands. The huh. mysterious visitor is also said to have possessed very large eyes, yet was unable to see. Although <laughs> How did they know? I don't know. <laughs> although how exactly that was determined uh. is uncertain. <laughs> Upon exiting the craft, concerned residents claim the oddity... Proceeded to wander the streets, frightening children who were watching this all unfold. The creature, which many likened to the legendary Chupacabra, eventually vanished into the night, and the craft that appeared to deliver it to Earth also disappeared. Huh. Um, so that—that's our uh, weak and weird. That's coast to coast. I am interesting.
1: I have to imagine there were drugs involved here, <laughs> <laughs> not just because it's Bolivia, but you know, it sounds like a. Hallucination, yeah. A, listen, a hallucination.
0: The universe is is infinite, um, or it and, could have been a universe. And listen, life uh, out there is, you know, scientists and the, the best thinkers and minds, thinkers and minds of our day know that it's a mathematical certainty that there is intelligent life mm, in the universe. Not if
1: you believe in the Fermi paradox. <sighs>
0: Yeah. Is that because there's so much distance there to is so travel? M- if there's so, so
1: much life in the universe, where we would it? have seen it already.
0: Um, my answer to that is we have, and we have stories like this. Thousands of them, not just this one. Where's the video? thousands. Thousands. How There's come nobody has ever
1: taken Not true. a video of a UFO that hasn't been some shaky thing or something from a cockpit how of about, an F-16 that nobody can figure out what they're looking at? How about at? gun camera footage from the Navy? Yeah, have you seen that footage? Yes. I don't know what I'm looking at Michio there. Michio Kaku I want to see a fucking said, thing get out of a saucer
0: and be like, take me to your leader. We have our own government saying to us, we don't know what this is. And it appears to be defying the laws of physics. Mm. What more do you need to know? Well, it could be just being a computer simulation. Well, that too, that too. All this right. week and weird.
1: Well that about does it that's it folks you've come to another end of another episode of recovery in the middle ages visit us at middleagesrecovery.com
0: and check out our new merch page join the discussion on our exclusive and private Facebook group if you need to talk don't hesitate to reach out to us on social media Uh, find us on Podbean Apple Podcasts Facebook Instagram Spotify Amazon YouTube Twitter and more tweet us at what you twit please go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes on your PC and write us a great review five star reviews will be read on the air And we will see you next time. And as we say, non proficiat perfectum. Progress.
1: Not perfection. See you next time. Good.